0: and it begins in numbers chapter 20 verse 1 the torah says as follows the jewish people came by avobnei israel kol haida the entire congregation now why does it say it in this unusual way rashi tells us that this was the entire congregation meaning that all those who were going to die in the desert the generation that left egypt had already died so this was 38 years after the last story of Korach. So we're basically uh, just about to enter the land at this point. And these were the ones assigned for life. So when it says, Kol Ha'eda, the entire complete congregation, it's the complete congregation that is actually going to live and go into the land of Israel. So they come to the desert of Tzin, which is basically like the Sinai desert. Bachodesh <laughs> Harishon, in the first month, which is Nisan, they, they settle in the place called Kadesh. But Tamas Sham Miriam, what happens there is that Miriam, the sister of Moses and Aaron, passes away over there, but Sham and she is buried there. Rashi tells us why is the story of Miriam's death juxtaposed with what we learned in the first part and the second part of the of this week about the Rituals of the red heifer of the paraduma. Why are they juxtaposed? Because, as the commentaries tell us, the laws of the paraduma, the red heifer, were taught long before this time. They're taught uh, back um, towards the beginning of the Jewish people sojourn in the desert. So, why are these two things put together? It says Rashi: Lamanisimcha Smir and parshas paraduma to tell you, just as the sacrifices or as some versions have this, just as the red cow, the Mechaprin, brings atonement for the Jewish people, so too the death of the righteous, such as Miriam, when they pass away, this brings atonement to the people, to the world. But Tamasha, Miriam, the next Rashi, he says, The Torah is telling us that she died just like Aaron and Moshe died in a way of this, what's called the divine kiss, which means that their souls were so drawn to, you know, feeling the, the, the holiness and the sub, sublime nature of the divine that their souls expired. It's called the beautiful way to pass. And this is how Aaron passed. And when Moshe saw it, he says, oh, I also wanted to buy in this way. And the Torah is hinting to us that Miriam died in this way as well, because the word sham there is also said regarding Aaron. Verse two what happens next? There is no water for the people. Now, you may be wondering, what does this have to do with Miriam's passing? Especially as it says in the Hebrew, and there was no water, which is connecting it to what just happened. We'll see in Rashi, so the people gather upon or against Moshe and against Aaron. It says Rashi, there was no water for the people. Mikan. From here we derive that for all the 40 years that the Jews were in the desert, they had... The well of water bizechut Miriam in the merit of Miriam. So it was in Miriam's merit that the Jewish people had water all these years, and now suddenly, when she passes away, the water is gone. The well stopped giving water. So this is, comes the famous story where Moshe. I'm not going to give away what happens, but the famous story of the of the of the water and the rock. Let's have a look at what happens. Verse 3, The people quarreled with Moses. They said as follows, If only, if we had died, with the death of our brothers, before the Lord. Why? Because they're now dying of thirst. So they said, we wish we would have died earlier. What were they referring to? They're talking about the death of their brothers from a plague. Rashi says this teaches us that dying from thirst is even worse than dying by plague. In other words, um, I guess one of the things we get from Rashi is that their complaint here, as opposed to the complaints in Orachaim, Rabbi Chaim Ben-Atari goes on about this, talks about this at length the the complaint of the jewish people in this instance is different from their complaints in the past so you know when you look at it at, at, at first glance say oh no they're quetching again and this is almost at the end so what have they learned the answer is as archaim points out this is very different than their complaining in the past because first of all they're complaining about something real it's not about meat or you know we don't like the taste of the mana and this and that but this is very real, they're dying of thirst, they're asking for water, that's not a bad thing, and we we don't see any punishment for the Jewish people in this situation of what happens here. And as Arachayim explains, it's because they're asking for something appropriate, and in truth, you know, they were dying of thirst, or dying for water. Verse 4, Why, they say, have you, Moses? Um, and Aaron, why have you brought the congregation of God to this desert to die there? Anachnu, us and our animals, our livestock. Verse 5, why did you take us up from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? This is not a place of it's for seeds, to plant things. It's a desert. Uteina, nor fig trees, nor grapevines, nor pomegranate trees. Umayim ayin lishtois. There's no water to drink. And some of the commentators say... That They didn't mean, why did you take us out of Egypt? They meant, why did you take us out of Egypt in this way? You could have taken us out in a different way, a different path. So, So, Moshe and Aaron, they come, and they come to the entrance of the Ohel Moed, of the Mishkan, and they fall on their faces, and God's glory appears to them. So, that concludes yesterday's portion. Now, we'll go on with today's. God speaks to Moshe, saying, this is Numbers chapter 20, verse 7. What does he say? Verse 8. Take the staff, the staff, you know, that he's been using, this miraculous staff. And gather the people, you and Aaron, your brother, and you shall speak to the rock. This is very important. You shall speak to the rock. In front of the eyes of the Jewish people. Vinasan Maimov and the rock is going to give its waters. Now interesting. It says El Hasela to the rock. He's talking about a specific rock. It doesn't say to one of the rocks or to a rock. It says to the rock. Rashi will Rashi will will tell us later. But You will produce water from that rock. Vishkisa you will give to drink to the to the nation and to their livestock. Now, this is interesting that the livestock is being mentioned. Rashi points out, Mikan, from here we derive, that God has regard, Shechas literally has mercy, but he cares about the property of Israel. In other words, not just the people, but also the property that that their livestock shouldn't die. We've had that in the past where Rashi also makes a similar comment that God is concerned for our our possessions, and that was in the story of the when a a house gets the spots, the white spots, the the tsaras, the leprosy, so to speak, the the Torah says that they should first take out all the furniture from the house so that when the coin comes and says this house is plagued, it shouldn't affect the furniture and the furniture shouldn't have to be uh, thrown out. Verse 9, by Yikach Moshe, Samateh, Moshe takes the staff from before God. What does it mean from before God? Some say that means that he took it from the Holy of Holies. Kasher tzivahu, as God commanded him, and they gathered. Moshe and Aaron gathered the congregation el pene ha'sola in front of that rock, and he said to them, he said to the people, Shimuna hamorim, listen up, now ye rebels, hamorim, you rebels, do you think we can draw water from this rock? Now this verse is is, is difficult. Uh, Why are they saying this? Why are they saying, can we draw water for you from this rock? Why would they ask this question? God told them, go and get the water from the rock. Why are they asking this question? And why are they calling them rebels? So simply you would say, well, from the way they spoke before, he's calling them rebels. But we'll see that Rashi has a very different take on this from the Medrash Tanchum. Let's see what Rashi says. They gathered the people. Rashi says, this is amazing. They gather all the people right in front of the rock. That's a lot of people to be standing right in front of a rock, says Rashi. This is one of the places where Shehechsik Muat that a small space was able to handle a large number of number of people. That's basically a miracle. Now, what happened exactly? Rashi gives us the backstory. And just to preface this, the Ramban Nahmani says this whole story of what happens with Moshe and, and this rock is very mysterious. And there's pages and pages of commentary with varying opinions of what exactly did Moshe do wrong over here it remains a mystery Uh, we're going to see what Rashi says but I was thinking that it's appropriate that the Torah starts with this the Parsha starts with this very mysterious law of the red heifer and now we have this story which is also very mysterious it's not so uh, there's a there's kind of a common theme there from the way the Parsha starts in this story but let's see what Rashi says shall we draw water from this rock what is going on over here? Says Rashi. What happened? The rock, the rock of Miriam that had been giving water all these years moved and went and now was lost among the other rocks, the other stones. So the Jewish people were saying to them, What does it make a difference? Which rock you're going to, to get, get water from? In other words, He's ready to get to speak to the rock, as God told him. And the rock is supposed to give water. But that rock that he was supposed to speak to disappeared. It went and was was now among the other rocks. So he says, oh, well, uh, we got a little problem here. And the Jewish people, they're taunting him. And they're saying, what's going on here, Moses? You you need a special rock to get water from. Just get it from any rock. Lakach. In a way, some of the commentators explain is like, you know, is this really, is this, is this God or is it just some magic that you're doing? If it's God, you can do it from any rock. So therefore, Moshe says to them, and by the way, the Midrash goes on with more detail about how they were taunting him and uh, really trying to get under his skin. Therefore, he said to them, he calls them the rebels, "Sarvanim," obstinate ones. In Greek, means that they are fools or they're they're going off of the path. Morim et morehem. So you know that the teachers are called morah. as a teacher. Torah means to instruct. So what is morim, which we translate as rebels? It means they instruct. They're trying to teach the teachers. So how are they trying to teach the teachers? Moshe is saying, I have a specific rock that I need to talk to. That's my instruction from God. And the people are telling him, they're, they're instructing him, no, take it from some other rock. If you can't find the rock, do another rock. So what does Moshe respond to them? He says, This rock that's in front of us here that you're telling me to get water from, this is not the rock that God told me to take the water from. Can I take water from this rock, which God has not commanded me to take from? So now we, that's how Rashi understands Moshe's question how can we get water out of this rock? And why would he say that? Because the Jewish people were suggesting that that's what he should do because the, the, the rock that had been giving water all along had moved and disappeared. Verse 11. So what does Moshe do? Moshe lifts up his his arm, his hand, and he hits the rock. With his with his staff, Twice, Rashi will tell us why. Twice, by yeitzu mayim rabim, many waters, much waters, abundance of water gushed forth. Bateish ta'eda and in the congregation, their livestock, the livestock drank the water. Says Rashi, why did he have to hit the rock twice? At the beginning, it only gave forth drops. Why? Because God had not commanded Moses to hit the rock. Rather, he had commanded him, You shall speak to the rock. So what happened? Why did Moses hit the rock? Rashi tells you what tells us what happened. Moses had spoken to a different rock, and it didn't give forth any water. So he said, what am I supposed to do now? He said, Umru, they said... Uh, They said, Moshe and Aaron said, and we'll see that's important to say they said, because we'll see that Aaron is punished as well. They said, Maybe we need to hit the rock, just as we did back in the beginning of the sojourn in the desert, back in Exodus, where it says, God told Moshe and Aaron, I told Moshe, you shall hit the rock. And by the way, Rashi doesn't mention this, but other commentaries say, God told them, take the staff, take the staff with you. Tricky, tricky. So now when they went to hit the rock, since speaking to it didn't work, the the proper rock did come along and they were hitting the right rock and it did give forth water. Verse 12. So God says to Moshe and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, To sanctify my name, before the eyes of the Jewish people. Therefore, you will not bring this this congregation to the land that I am giving to them. I've given to them. Now, what's going on here? What exactly did did uh, Moshe do so terribly? Let's see what Rashi says. You did not believe in me. Gilakosov, the, the Torah reveals the verse re- reveals If not for this sin, they Moshe and Aaron would have been able to go into the land of Israel. Why? Um. So why? I'm sorry. And the Torah, what by the Torah is telling us, what the Torah is telling us here is that the reason that Moshe and Aaron are not going in the land of Israel is not because they did they God forbid they were involved with the sin of the rest of their generation. It was rather this specific sin. Pete, and, and so the Torah is really out to tell us don't say that the reason that, that Moshe and Aaron didn't go into the, into Israel is because of this the like the rest of the, their generation. It was they were different. Rather um they were not they they did not have the same sin as the rest of their generation. Rather the reason that they were not allowed to go into Israel was because of this incident where they hit the rock. Now Rashi asks a question. We know that that uh, Moshe made a mistake in the past. When the Jewish people asked for meat, he said, God, is it possible that you will provide meat for them? Which seemed to be like, you know, questioning God. And that seems to be a worse sin than what they did over here. And so the question Rashi is addressing is, why wasn't the sin of questioning God about the meat, why wasn't that the reason that Moshe wasn't allowed to go into Israel? Why is it this event, which seems to be a a less severe sin, why is this the one that that prevents him from going to Israel? Says Rashi, the difference between them is that the former sin occurred in the privacy of conversation between God and Moses. It wasn't in front of all the people. Therefore, it wasn't considered as severe. However, this sin, even though it was less severe, but it was in the presence of all of the people. And therefore, scripture does not spear him In other words, when you're doing something in public, especially a great leader like Moses and Aaron, and the effect that that has on the people, that is, um, that God will take that much more seriously. And this is the reason that they are prevented from going to the land of Israel. Lahakti sheni. How is it that they they um God is saying that you could have sanctified my name in front of the people, but you failed to do so. How what does that what does that mean? Rashi says, if you would have spoken to the rock, like I told you, the hoitzi and the water would have come out, ha yisi I would have been sanctified in front of the eyes of the congregation. What, what does that mean? Because the people would say, Wow, if this rock they cannot speak and it cannot hear, and it does not need sustenance. From God, it's good. And yet, when Moshe speaks to it and tells it the word of God, which is that it should give forth water, it listens. It would have been a lesson to the people in listening to God's word. Just like this rock is listening to God's word, so should we listen to God's word without having to be hit on the head with a stick. But because you hit the the rock with a the stick, they never got this lesson. And so that was the failed opportunity that Moshe should have had more patience. And instead of hitting the rock, he should have spoken to the rock, even though it didn't work the first time, he should have tried again until it worked. The way God told him to do it, he shouldn't have tried to do it differently. (laughs) Rashi says this word, (laughs) therefore has the implication of an oath, that God is taking an oath that no matter how much you pray, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be going into the land of Israel. Verse 13, the last verse for today these are the waters of dispute, where the children of Israel contended, argued with the Lord by Yikodesh Bum, and God was sanctified through them. How was God indeed sanctified through them? It says Rashi, because Moshe and Aaron were punished through this. And when, I, when God does justice with his people, when he is strict with his, with his holy ones, everybody, everybody is kind of uh, shocked, and, and said, wow, you know, God is, 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 um, is real. There's, there's consequences for, action, for one's actions. Even the, the righteous ones are held to account. And so in the end, God is sanctified, not by the way that initially we're, that the rock would have listened, but in the fact that Moshe and Aaron are punished through this. Finally, Rashi says, these are the waters, meaning that these waters were already um, alluded to earlier. And that is, Rashi says that when the astrologers of Paro when they told Paro that the, the savior of the Jewish people is going to be punished with water, they suggested to Paro take all the Jewish male born and throw them into the Nile because we see in the stars that their savior is going to be punished through water. What they were really seeing was this event with Moshe hitting the rock and that's where he was going to be punished. But they, as often happens with astrologers, they can see something, but not exactly what's going on. So, I'll I'll just conclude with two very um, uplifting ideas. Um, number one, we're going to read tomorrow that the very next thing that happens, and of course, there's a lot of mystery, as I told you, there's pages and pages and commentary on what exactly happened over here in different opinions. But what's very inspiring is that tomorrow, the very next verse says that Moshe keeps going, keeps trucking, and he and he he fulfills his mission, which is bringing the Jewish people into the land of Israel even though he knows that he's not going, he's not going to be going into the land of Israel. And furthermore, he's going to pass away as the Jewish people are going to land of Israel. He just keeps going. He doesn't allow his own personal, as Rabbi Hirsch says this very nicely, he doesn't allow his own personal grief over what he just heard to hold him back from continue, continuing what he needs to do as a leader. So that's a lesson we could all take, that no matter what we're going through, we're all leaders in some sense. It shouldn't affect um, the rest of our, uh, our environment, what we're going through, we could say, yes, we're having a tough day, having a bad day, but the rest of the world doesn't have to suffer for that. We can keep going and and fulfilling our mission. So we're going to open it up to questions and comments. And I'm sure you have a lot of questions. So please fire away. If you want to ask in the chat, we can try to multitask, but either way, the floor is open. Well, I was just, I was thinking how, how high a standard uh, Moshe and Aaron, I guess, too, but Moshe specifically is, is held to, I mean, he can't go into the land, he, he takes them all that way, he can't go into the land of Israel, he has to die, and yet he's still going to make sure they get there, he's punished much more than the Jewish people ever were, I mean, gosh, what a high standard he's held to, oh my gosh. right. Right. So that's a great point that Moshe is held to a very high standard. also see in the chat a question of uh, why is Aaron punished as well. So that's a great point. First of all, uh, Moshe is and Aaron are held to a very high standard. And we see that in the Torah, that the righteous are held to an extremely high standard. We see that with Abraham. We see that uh, with Michal, the wife of, of Shaul. We see it several times in the, in the Torah. That the that the righteous are held to a very high standard. It's kind of like when you have a uh, a perfectly white carpet and there's a little stain, well, that's that's a big deal. But if it's a dirty carpet and it, and it has a stain, nobody notices. So yeah, this is part of um, you know the, the 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 special special circumstance of the righteous. I will add. I will add, and this answers perhaps the question in the chat as well of why Aaron. So Aaron. Um, as I mentioned in the, in the, when we saw in Rashi, it's they, it's they, it's Moshe uh, and Aaron both saying that they should, that they should hit the rock. So this was kind of a joint decision. So even though Moshe is the one who ends up hitting the rock, this is, they they make that decision together, but still I agree. Uh, I agree with the question that Aaron doesn't seem to have been as involved as Moshe. Um, Although this idea that they, they tell them, you know, listen up, ye rebels. According to Rambam, by the way, according to Rambam, the sin of 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 um, the sin of Moshe and Aaron is that they call that they got angry. They they got angry that they allowed themselves to get angry. And as I mentioned to you in the midrash, we have uh, a lot more detail about how the, the Jews were taunting them, particularly the of Rab, the mixed multitudes, were taunting the Jewish people. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, taunting uh, Moshe and Aaron and they got angry and they 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 felt like you know the people were 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 acting in an appropriate in an inappropriate way and they felt that they needed to rebuke them right so there's a very fine balance here that Moses like like we're saying Moses and Aaron are being held to a very high standard and what their intention wasn't just they got angry they lost their temper but rather that they felt it was appropriate for them to rebuke the people and call them what they were which is Maureen, which is rebels and still as another another idea we have in the mid-rushes never speak negatively about the Jewish people, right? Uh, we have that in um, the prophets. We have that in, with Elijah the prophet. There's several cases where the Jews seem to deserve to be criticized and to be um, you know, called certain names, but God takes that very seriously. And so it's another lesson from all of this, from Rambam, number one, not to get angry because the way he puts it, because they got angry, this is why they made a mistake. When a person gets angry, they, they uh, misstep. And so the fact that he hit the rock, according to some commentators, is because he got angry. If he hadn't gotten angry, he would have thought it through better and wouldn't and would have uh, continued to speak. Um, so um, so there's a lot there's so much, but I, I did want to say that according to at least one Midrash that says that this was a pretext. And then in fact, God really didn't want Moshe and Aaron to go into the land of Israel for another reason, which is, as the Midrash puts it, it doesn't seem right that their whole, this is their people. Their people are the, is the, is the, is the uh, generation that came out of Egypt. That's their people. And it didn't seem right that that, that, that generation would stay in the desert and Moshe and Aaron get to go into the land of Israel, Right. So it's kind of also a lesson of, you know, you're the leader of these people. The fact that they messed up and they have to stay in, in the desert and not get to go in the land of Israel. Well, you're their leader. You stay with them. Even though um, even though it was their fault that they got, had to stay in the desert, you're going to stay with them. And as the Medrash concludes there, you'll be with them in the end of time, in the times of Mashiach, that you will lead them to the redemption. So um, that might also explain, That was a long way of saying how it would answer the question about Aaron. What Aaron was also, so to speak, punished is also part of it that Aaron is not supposed to go into the land of Israel. And these, this is, quote unquote, a pretext where God is saying, oh, can't go, you did this, or you did that. Hello, uh, They see you have your hand raised. Yeah, uh, I have a question. Uh, God uh, made uh, the stone of the to give the water. And uh, why would you do that, you know, to not do water from when they hit the rock, you know, and tell Moshe, no, I called you to stick. This this is because you need to sacrifice my name, you know, because it's up to that was to give water or not, you know. And it was, you should say no to the rock, you know, no water from this rock. They have to stick to, it, to the rock, not to, you know, do it. So what, what, what do you think? What are you saying? Why Why did it actually give water after he hit the rock? Yeah, why, why would God allow the uh, rock to give the water? It's a good question. I think that um, I think that God Yeah, it's a good question. I think that at least according to one commentator that I saw the reason that God tells him to take the, the staff is because he might actually need it. In other words, it was kind of saying that that is a way of doing it, mm-hmm. but it's not the preferred way. Mm-hmm. And so it, God is saying that it can be done in this way, but he, he's leaving Moshe with the free choice to do it the right way. Didn't he also speak to the rock while, but also hit it. And the speaking was what, uh, God had instructed. He just didn't instruct the hitting. So maybe he spoke and then hit it. He's in trouble for the hitting. Yeah, that's a that's a good point as well. He did. He did. He did try speaking, which is what God told him. Yes. Also, also this issue of of anger. Um, when it's emanating, I think what it's saying, when it's emanating from our ego, it's really coming from the wrong place. It's coming from powerlessness, fear, attempt to get our power back, something like that, and, and the anger, which is separating us from God at that point. I mean, the forcefulness of God, and God's anger is, is righteous. <laughs> Ours is not righteous. Yeah, experience. so I think, yes, definitely it's a lesson about, definitely a lesson to us about anger, And what happens when we get angry, although whenever we talk about the righteous like Moses, you know, it's not the same type of anger of uh, of ego and, um, you know, losing a temper. It's it's, uh, again, the righteous are being held at a very high level and um, but definitely as a lesson to us, certainly is a lesson of, you know, the dangers of, of losing our temper and getting angry and what what can come there from. I mean, in a sense, ours is out of control and irrational, whereas the one coming from God maybe through us is within control and not irrational, I guess you could say. Yeah. Bruce, I see your hand is up. Is it true that the staff that Moses hit the rock with was the same staff that blossomed almonds? It could be that there's a Midrash... With that nature, um, but I haven't seen that one. But it, it's it could be, yeah, could be that there's such a midrash if you saw that, it would make sense. Um, let me just conclude since we're we really went uh over time today, which is wonderful, a very one of the most fascinating stories in the Torah. Um, I'll just conclude with one other insight about it, which is that on some level, Moshe was trying to protect the Jewish people. Because, similar to the story of Jonah, when Jonah refused to go and rebuke the people of Nineveh because he knew that they were going to listen and it would make the Jews look bad because they didn't listen to their prophets. Similarly, Moshe didn't want the Jews to look bad, that here he spoke to a rock and it listened. But the Jewish people don't listen when, when they're spoken to. So therefore, he hits the rock to protect the Jewish people, so that's another um, interpretation. But like I said, it's really a very, um, very mysterious. And the Ramban Nachmanides actually says it straight out. He says it's a very mysterious story. What exactly did he do wrong? And the fact that there's so much commentary about it shows you, you know, how subtle and what exactly, what exactly was going on. So, but the lessons certainly that we can take from it. You know, if God tells you, I think the most straightforward message is, if God tells you to do something like speak to a rock, it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, keep trying. Uh, don't don't try to do something else. And that's always a temptation of, you know, when something is not working out right away to lose faith. And I um, think you see in the chat, somebody mentioned that as well about, you know, don't lose faith just because it's not working right away. Um Trust if God says it's going to work, it's going to work. The second lesson is you know don't get angry, as Rambam says. When you get angry, um, you you misstep. So so can maintain your composure, and um, so don't get angry. And the third lesson is don't speak negatively about the Jewish people, even if it seems like they deserve it. Be very careful in the way that you speak about the Jewish people. Don't call them names. Of any kind uh, God takes that very seriously always speak positively about the Jewish people so thank you so much for joining us today we'll see you tomorrow at 10 30 a.m. if you can make it if not we will send out the recording and hope to see you again soon thank you rabbi thank you have a good